Hey guys, welcome back to the Blair White Project. Today we have a very special guest, Lauren Southern. I think this is the first thing we've done on camera together in like, like six years? Yeah, I think we were probably on some like major live streams way back in the day, 2016 together. And that's about it. We've never actually done a video yeah. just us. Well, you had a show that I remember it was like one of the first shows I was ever on back in the day. What's funny? Standoff. Don't, don't talk to me about Oh yeah, standoff. Stand is that a sore subject? <laughs> it was just the worst green screen ever. I don't know what was going on. We had the technology for it, but we hadn't set it up. It was a bit cringe, but uh, I mean, yeah, wow, throwback. Yeah, but I mean, that kind of goes to like the fact that, first of all, people don't know, you're a YouTuber, political commentator, very known on the right wing sphere. And it's funny because we both started around like, I came in like right after Gamergate. I feel like you came in like right before. Mm -hmm. yeah yeah it would have been before it was like 2015 so back early. then the budget for all this was a little smaller and now people kind of got figured out the green screens it's so saturated now like i yeah. i wasn't the first but i was definitely one of the first people on youtube that would go to like protests and interview left-wingers and have them attack me and stuff and that was like my thing now there's like a thousand people at all these protests doing q a's uh getting slurpees thrown at them it's uh definitely that era in 2015 2016 whenever you made like a single video saying hey why i'm not a feminist or this is my critique of woke stuff it would go viral because mm -hmm. there was so so few people doing it at that time and yeah you were you were one of those early voices for sure yeah don't you miss when like the main discourse was feminism <laughs> When the main discourse was literally just like, hey, we should maybe, you know, innocent until proven guilty. Like, yeah. you think we're going a little far here? Maybe we shouldn't hate people for being white. And now it's like, should we kill people for being white? <laughs> <laughs> Overton windows shifted just a tad. Right. It's crazy how like back then the things that, you know, I would get so passionate about online, like the nuances between afeminism and anti-feminism and like all the, it's just so, it's like, now look what's happened. It's like, we had COVID, we had riots, we had Trump, we had Biden, like, holy shit. Something happened in 2016. I feel like we entered another dimension. We yes. went off in a weird portal, like split off from our universe and everything just went down a really dark timeline. Yeah. Really dark timeline. <laughs> I mean, you actually, it's so funny because we met in person, like, relatively recently. It was like a month or two ago. And that was the first time we mm -hmm. ever met in person. And you asked me, one of the first things you asked me was like, um, how are you so sane <laughs> because of the industry we're in? And like, you know, it usually lends itself to people kind of going through some things. Um, so I want to ask you the same question because I got the same impression of you throwing it back at you. How have you stayed sane in this industry? I haven't. It's all a facade. But um <laughs> I took time away. Uh, that that definitely helped. Um, the fact that I actually have an okay family, the fact that I have friends in real life, something to ground me. If you're not grounded outside of the political movement, then the brain rot goes deep. And you just start to think that backstabbing, lying, all of this is normal behavior that you have to do to survive. And I'm sure you know it as well. That, that was just kind of an industry standard, whether you're in the mainstream or the alternative, although we pretended it didn't exist there. Um, yeah, I, I I quit before I let myself get as crazy as everyone else. Yeah, and I've always, you know, I remember kind of when you had left the internet and I remember thinking like, God, I wish I could do that. <laughs> like, it just seemed like Bro, such a healthy okay, decision. Wait. When I left, you published this horrible article, Milo, I did. about me. I did. It was, you bitch. You I bitch. know, I know. Yeah, we made up over it. But, and, um, but looking back at that, like, I really do apologize for that because first of all, who the fuck would ever trust anything Miley Yiannopoulos has to say? <laughs> Whether you like no, it or okay. not. I, I don't blame you though. I don't blame you. Um, Especially, at, so, okay. So for people who need context, when I left politics, and I'm going to talk about this in my manifesto that's coming out before this, so I can say this. Yeah. When I left politics, part of the reason I left was because I... um. I had been told I would not be granted a visa to visit my family in Australia unless I quit politics. So that was part of my push to just disappear right away. Um, quit, got my visa, and I wasn't able to comment on anything publicly for a year until I was on a more substantial visa. Oh, wow. And uh, Milo published an article saying the reason I actually quit was because <laughs> was because I had slept with men to write all of my content for me, and I was secretly an Antifa left-wing spy. Now. 
Right. You being in like the right-wing sphere and seeing how much hypocrisy was in it, seeing yeah. how many people were saying they're traditional conservatives and behind the scenes behaving completely different. I actually do not blame you one bit for sharing and believing that story. Of course, obviously on my end, I'm like crushed that all these people that are we're red pill, we need facts and logic, didn't right. really seem to care about finding any facts. But I also like, I don't blame, I don't blame you. That was yeah. kind of just the culture. And you you were like, well, of course, this is just how everyone behaves here. Why would Lauren be any different? <laughs> 100%. It was coming at a time where like, I had just started doing real life events with these people that I had previously known as just usernames online. And like, just being very, um, unimpressed to say the least by like most of them and um astounded at the hypocrisy like you mentioned it's like we, I talked about this a little bit with Sydney Watson how it's like you have certain not all hashtag not all but certain people who you know have this very tradcon you know outward appearance and online and brand and and whatever and then it's like they're leaving gangbangs they're on drugs like just crazy shit so for me I was like yeah they're all like that of course that makes sense but you know it was, it, it was, it had to have not felt good to have people like in an instant, especially because it came off the backs of you just genuinely leaving. And of course he wants to attack you and then everyone piles on. Yeah, no, it, it wasn't great. And I'm not, I mean, I'm going to talk about this a lot, a lot in my video itself, but you know, I'm not entirely um, free of blame for everything that happened either. Like I watched so much happen in the dissident right-wing movement that was so wrong that I never said anything about I kept my mouth completely shut because I wanted to protect my people and my right. side. So I feel like to an extent, it was a bit of a comeuppance and a punch in the face that I needed from a bunch of people that agreed with me. Like Paul Joseph Watson went after me hard. Faith Goldie went after me hard. Laura Loomer went after me. Milo went after me. They all said I was this fraud, a liar and everything. Um, and I feel like that was kind of the punch in the face I needed to be like, actually, there's something deeply broken with the dissident right. And it's my fault for having covered it up for so long and not talking about it. I thought the battle against progressivism and woke culture was so much more important than calling out anything on my own side. But then if you don't look internally and fix what's going on in your own house, in your own camp, it eventually festers and you die of that cancer. Right. So um, I, I, I do think that it was a bit of my own comeuppance. Well, this is why, and we talked about this um, when we met in person, that my answer to you was why I've stayed sane is like, I avoid everyone. Like I have a few friends and that's it. Like I don't like going to the events. And when I do, like even this past weekend, um, I did an event for Minds who are great people and all the speakers are great, but I, I'm not really interested in necessarily going being besties with everyone. So I go and I do my job and then I kind of leave. Um, and that's how I've like <laughs> just not lost yeah. my fucking mind, especially because like, we've been in this for like a long time. Like the shelf life for people who do what we do is actually much shorter than what we're currently experiencing. Yeah. Um, and you know, uh, I worry that people, whatever people watch these videos, we're like, oh, there's so much drama behind the scenes. It's so bad. They, they feel like, oh, it's so vague. You guys are just being so vague about it all. I, I'm getting into more detail about it, but uh, like the first time I ever touched drugs in my life was it with conservatives that I met in the conservative movement. And the last time I ever touched drugs in my life was with conservatives in the conservative movement. <laughs> it's like, you would think the okay. one place in the world you could go, you could send your 18 year old daughter. I remember like my parents being like, go have fun. Like being a conservative figure, you'd think the one place you could send them that they'd be safe from all of this craziness that in the degenerate world, right? Which is the <laughs> conservative gosh. movement. I could not think of a worse place. I think I would have been safer going to Hollywood. <laughs> The tea you are spilling is too much for me. <laughs> so you released this manifesto based on your experiences. Um, I haven't watched it yet. What are some of the main points you're trying to drive home with that video? Um, okay. I, I really wanted to stay away from making it like a woe is me video because there was a lot of shitty stuff that happened to me when, when I was in politics, just, you know, backstabbing, people lying about me, all that. Um, the main point I'm really trying to get across is all of these people have a nostalgia for 2016. They look at it and they're like, there was this cultural force, this movement supporting Trump going against wokeism. It was so successful. All these videos going viral, all of these events everywhere. Like Milo's on Bill Maher, right? Tommy's hosting massive rallies in London Square for free speech. Like we, we are about to 
really push back against the establishment and win. And then it all went away because of censorship. It all went away because of the horrible globalist elites that shut them down. And that's part of it for sure. But my point is actually, I don't have that same nostalgia. I don't. And the reason I don't is because the failure of the dissident right, I think we like to tell ourselves and lie to ourselves and pretend it was because of censorship. It wasn't. It was because of our own personal internal failures. It was because of ego. It was because of people stealing money, people lying, people backstabbing, kicking good people out, driving good people away from the movement, all in the pursuit of their own ego and fame and cult of personality and allowing a political movement to become about the faces at the top of it, about all of us like big stars instead of the people right. on the ground, destroyed it, not the censorship. That was part of it, but I don't think it was the biggest part. I mean, I agree. I mean, I have had my own experiences, um, nothing too traumatic, but just, but that's because the the minute I sense like shadiness or bad acting or whatever, I really stay away from it. I'm very like conflict averse in that way. Um, but the cult of egos thing is so true. It's like everyone's way more interested in being, you know, a celebrity of sorts when they're, which is ironic because they're kind of fighting for like a status that they'll never actually have because you'll never be mainstream being in that, in that industry. It'll never happen. Um, what is it that made you want to come back to the internet? Because I can only assume, first of all, you came back with a baby, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I can only assume that it was a very peaceful time off the internet. So what was it that told you like, okay, it's time to go back and start doing everything again? Well, first of all, um, I was able to get on a more substantial visa in Australia that because uh, my visa stipulation, I was put on a list called VACU, which is for terrorists and uh, criminals really? so people who have like committed murder and stuff. Right. And I have to wait there. And they sent me a message back saying, all right, because you've put out your quitting letter, we're going to let you in the country. But if you ever violate anything to do with our character assessment, again, you criticize Islam, you criticize the government, um, we, we can cancel your visa. So I had to shut the F up for a year. And then finally, my visa shifted over to a different one that wasn't contingent on the vacuum stuff. Or so I thought, but that's a whole new story. Um, what a disaster or nightmare. Yeah. That is. Yeah. So as soon as that went through, I went and I did a few hits on Sky News in Australia and I started doing videos again. But I was really timid. I was really timid about talking about anything. Um uh, my my return video, I basically said nothing. I basically just said, I want to, I'm back and I want to look at things with a more nuanced perspective. I was way too scared to talk about my experiences in the dissident right. And when I left and all the drama with Milo and all these people I used to know, because people are, are psychos. <laughs> They're mm -hmm. psychos. There's no, um, you know, no bridge they won't cross, no act they won't do to get back at you to save their their reputation. So I'm like, maybe it's just best if I come back and I just kind of do my thing that I love doing, which is like make movies and talk about politics. Um, when I published that video, I kind of thought people didn't care anymore about the drama before I left. But then Paul Joseph Watson out of nowhere puts out a crazy strain of tweets saying, inauthentic effing grifter Lauren Southern is back. She abandoned us all. She deliberately disappeared to avoid censorship, which of course, no, it had to do with my visa. And then he that just kept ranting. Sense. Yeah, he kept ranting on Twitter, telling everyone, go call out this e-thought, go call out this grifter whore, this, that, and the other. Um, and okay, this was another thing that I'm sure you noticed it, when, when you spent, or even now in your time in politics, Another thing beyond ego that that killed the dissident right was too many of people's politics had nothing to do with actual political positions and everything to do with their personal lives. So if they yes. felt personally jilted, yes, then suddenly they would really care about this one political issue or really care about calling out this one grifter or whatever. So like in the case of Paul, the last time I ever saw him was when I rejected him and I told him I didn't want to sleep with him at his apartment in Battersea because I was looking for something serious. Said goodbye. Have and you told us before? Uh, no, I say it in the manifesto, but this is the first interview I've okay. done about it. Okay. <laughs> Are you okay over there? Yeah. It's just keep going, please. <laughs> Don't stop, actually. The tea is cold, but there's a lot of it and I'm waterboarding people with it. So... <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so I told him, like, no, I'm looking for something serious. I don't want to sleep with you. And then um, 
we were supposed to go on another date. It didn't happen. And I kept receiving insane text messages from this guy, like at 3 a.m. with Kanye lyrics. Like they were clearly like cocaine fueled rants at me. And even just a year ago, I received rants like this from him as well. Like F you fake bitch whore. Like just, you know, when you get those messages where it's like every second you're getting a new message and it's all like one word instead of typing in sentences and paragraphs and you blow up with like 40 messages on your phone. So I'm having to sit there and I hate getting into, I I think it's bad manners to like talk about dating stuff, to talk about private life stuff in the political sphere. But I'm sitting here having to watch this guy talk about how I'm an inauthentic bitch grifter whore. As if he wasn't trying to fuck you. As if he wasn't trying to fuck me. And as if he's doing it because he's on some moral crusade and not because he's a 40 year old man that reacts like a child to rejection. And having to sit here and watch a bunch of people observe this, like it's serious political commentary. Blair, I can't. I, okay. So this just, this reminded me, I can relate to this story very well. Not with Paul Joseph Watson, even though there's some weird rumors about Bobby Gidham that have been around for years, but with another person, a YouTuber who I rejected in the DMs and then flash forward to now. And there's about 20 hate videos about me on his channel as if he wasn't trying to fuck me. So not for nothing, that can happen. So I believe you. <laughs> That's happened to me. It's, oh, it, <laughs> they always say, look out for e-girls, but, um, or what, what is it? Nothing like a woman scorned, nothing like an e-boy scorned. Oh my goodness. They will, they will use that platform to go scorch earth on you if, uh, if they feel rejected. Not good. Not good. True. Um, but yeah, that's basically I, I get into all of this drama, I get into all of the issues with um, how much people's personal lives and personal egos kind of destroyed this movement and then kind of make a plea to my audience because this isn't what, what the worry always is, is if you're going to criticize your own political movement, people always just assume, oh, you're a traitor. You've joined the other side. You're you're doing this because you want a slot on CNN or something. So you're expected to just watch people steal hundreds of thousands of dollars, watch people completely go against their values, watch everything internally be so corrupt and just shut up. Otherwise you're like a leftist spy and vice versa. I'm sure they have the same cult. Like, no, I know for a fact they have the same cult like dynamics on the left and the mainstream media. And unfortunately, as much as we like to call ourselves the, the alternative media, the dissident right, whenever you get human beings with power and money, there's always going to be this sort of stuff going on. Doesn't matter how many times you call yourself like we're the free speech party, we're the, you know, we're the uncorrupted ones. Well, I mean, you can scream that from the rooftops, but um, if you're shutting people up from any critique by calling them leftists, if they so much as, you know, point out a flaw, are you really the uncorrupt ones, right? Uh, Well, I think it comes down to most people are very much binary thinkers in the sense of like, again, criticizing your own side, you're going to get seen as like, oh, she's a leftist now. I don't think anyone in their right mind would ever think of you as a leftist. <laughs> leftist surely wouldn't see you as a leftist. So you're not. And then, you know, sometimes it's it's warranted. And it's not as if you're saying that you suddenly have all these different, you know, ideological positions. It's just like, no, I don't like shitty people. And I can call people shitty that are shitty. Yeah. I mean, there's there's been some parts of my politics that have changed slightly but it's also hard to talk about changes in your politics that are more nuanced because no one really cares if you don't like if I say okay I've I've got more sympathy for some feminist perspectives right Mm -hmm. unless I'm like full-on becoming a feminist and disavowing everything the right has ever said the left don't care they don't care about any shift unless it's an extreme one and then your own side will just be like oh you're cucking but whatever um I definitely say that uh, my my time in politics has made me somewhat more sympathetic to some feminist arguments about power dynamics and, uh, you know, women in in the workplace kind of being expected to sleep with men if they want to keep their career. And, you know, men also having to fear, uh, they, they have the same fears with like false rape accusations. All of these gender dynamics exist and some feminists make some good points about it. But they had to go so crazy off the edge of saying all men are rapists, mm-hmm. all men are horrible, evil human beings that someone like me, who my personal life experience has been my, the men in my life are amazing. My father is amazing. You know, the, the men at my church, all the guys I grew up with were great guys. I'm never going to listen to them when they're presenting it in these extreme hyperbolic ways. And 
in doing so, they're actually putting women in danger. Like in presenting your message that way, there are a lot of women that probably could have heard some of your warnings or suggestions about power dynamics, safety, whatever it may be. Um, and they'll just never hear it because the people at the forefront of your movement are running around naked with nipple pasties on screaming about how they hate men. So do you think that you missed that positive messaging you could have sourced from feminism and then had negative experiences in the industry based on that with men? Yes. Yeah, I'd say that. But, um, you know, it's partially I, I think it's partially my fault, too. I'm a pretty combative person. You know, a lot of my interviews with like feminists were always just combative, combative. But they were. Yeah. They, a lot of the people I met at these slut walks, a lot of people I met um when when their purpose is they they already hate you the second they start talking to you mm -hmm. because they know you're critical of feminism you're just never going to get anywhere what pisses me off is like well i had a lot of behavior i could have changed to try to understand and bridge gaps i was like 19 yeah and the people we're talking about on the internet that are like the vanguard of old politics that are promoting feminism that are promoting anti-extremism whatever it might be they're acting like children. They're doxing like 17 year old kids in university because they have questions about why they're being hated for being white and calling them white supremacists and white nationalists. If you're actually afraid of extremism on the right and, and you know, kids getting involved in extremism or having bad ideas, you reach out to them, you connect with them, you do what an adult right. does and you learn a way to guide people you mm -hmm. know politics is like a dark room so you're gonna have to walk around and situate yourself and you're gonna touch some of the extremes and walls to figure out where you are every kid does that just yes. not everyone does it in the public eye right and it should be these older people in politics their duty to try to guide people to reasonable positions but no the the old guard of politics is so full of progressive extremists literal like marxists yeah. that they have no line they won't cross. They'll be they'll be claiming their anti-extremism while they're doxing children and pushing them further to the right than they ever would have been before. They're, you know, trying to get people to lose their jobs. Were, oh, I remember there was this one girl who lost her university scholarship because in high school there was a video of her saying the N-word and it was published all in the media right before she was about to go into university, just destroying her life. It's like, what are you trying to fix? But or build was she or a public figure of way? some sort? No, private citizen. So some people just got together and like, we're going to ruin this random girl's life for no reason. It was like an old friend of hers in high school oh. that like leaked it to the media. So I'm, I look at that and I'm like, what what lesson is learned from that? What right. guidance are you giving her? So many people who claim they're like, I'm holding this person accountable. I'm no, trying not. to hold them accountable. No, you're not. You're and trying to destroy their life for clout. 100%. <laughs> like, obviously, I've dealt with the cancel mobs and I've dealt with people coming for me. And it's like, I always just like want to throw up when you see them or hear them saying, it's just about holding people accountable. It's like, who the fuck are you to even hold me accountable? You're not my mom, dad or God. So like, I don't care what the fuck I do. You're not my teacher. Like, who are you? It's like yeah. sick. A lot of people view you as extreme. Like that's mm -hmm. like, you know, leftists definitely do. Do you see yourself as extreme? I, I know why they think I am because we live in Canada, America, whatever it People is. think the same about me, by the way. It's no judgment. Yeah. 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 I, like I get why they think that. Also, there's like a lot of, <laughs> it's a lot of bullshit out there. People genuine. There was a tweet three days ago that has 40,000 likes I saw that saying I fired a flare gun at, at refugees and then my my boat sunk and I had to be saved okay okay, okay. complete fan fiction so we, like complete fan fiction we gotta get Sorry. through that because I've heard the Lauren Southern boat lore for years and <laughs> admittedly I've never really looked that heavily into it I'm like there's something on a boat like I don't so what is the actual story there Please it was educate a bazooka me. and it was drowning babies. I, I love like I'll do all the corrections and I'm like, are you sure it wasn't the AK-47? And everyone's got their own little like Chinese telephone version of what happened. They'll be like, Lauren was on the coast of America with a nuclear drone. And I'll, I'll see all of these things added to my lore. But what actually <laughs> happened was really boring. So I almost hate telling the story because it's just not as exciting as, as everyone says it is. But there was a boat called the Aquarius that uh, was being investigated by the Italian government for illegally smuggling migrants from Morocco into Italy. And the, the main claim was 
they're not just a rescue vessel. They're not just going out and trying to save people. They're actually deliberately going out onto the Libyan coast and picking people up and communicating with traffickers. Now, eventually the boat was shut down for various illegal activities by the government. Um, but I went and I protested it with a group in Europe that uh, they, they, they got in a bit of trouble. But um, the, pro the boat that was about to leave, what we wanted to do was take this little ship in front of the Aquarius and just for like 10 minutes, stop it and say, hey, no to illegal immigration and take a picture. We went out there. It kept getting delayed, the takeoff of this Aquarius ship that was going out to the point that it got super dark. And any picture we would have gotten protesting, you wouldn't have been able to see it. So I found a handheld flare in the um, in the like glove box of the spoke. Also, sorry, my camera's. There we go, back to focus. Um, I found this handheld flare and I was like, oh, I can light up our sign with this flare so we'll see it in front of the boat. Okay. We go to get in front of the boat. The Aquarius doesn't give a shit. They just decide they're gonna run us over. So we actually move out of the way. <laughs> and then I light this flare. It's a completely handheld flare. Like it only does like a direct light in front of me and then putters out and I threw it in the ocean or whatever, it was a piece of cardboard. Um, Someone takes a picture of that, uploads it to Twitter, says Lauren is protesting this boat. And Will Sommer, who was a reporter for The Hill, takes that picture and tweets it out and says, Lauren Southern has just fired a flare gun at a refugee ship. Now, there were no refugees in that boat. It was an empty vessel. Okay. I had never fired a flare. It was a handheld flare. But because The Hill, a verified outlet, had said I was firing flares at a boat of refugees, that just took off and no one has bothered to correct it since and and they just keep adding to the story over and over wow. and over again i mean yeah. god forbid the truth gets in the way of a really juicy story it is i mean it is a juicy story and there is a part of me that kind of hopes like if let's let's say progressives and wokes they completely win uh like everything we ever did is erased off the internet i really hope i at least have a page in the history books of me and like all leather looking good like holding a flare, destroying fleets of vessels. And I'm like some sort of history villain. I think that would be cool. At least I could get that from it. Do people think <laughs> that a flare could like sink a boat? Because I don't think it could, right? Like, do they, are they trying to say, I'm, I'm just getting behind the eyeline of the people that are saying this. Are they thinking that you were trying to sink the boats, like make it go underwater? Some, many of them have said I did. Like there, some, oh there are, hundreds of thousands of people under the impression that I actually murdered people in the Mediterranean. Oh, that wow. I was like staring drowning children in the face and like shooting them. For, like I said, it, it wasn't a firing flare. It was like a handheld light. You couldn't fire it if you wanted to. If I threw it at the boat, the cardboard would have bounced off the side and gone so into the water, right? So nothing even left your hands. Never even left my hands. <laughs> nothing left your hands. And yet the narrative is you shot a flame gun at a boat with migrants on it that didn't have migrants. The only people at risk of dying that day were me, <laughs> my dumb ass, and everyone on that ship with me that were about to get run over by the Aquarius. Oh That's it. So but, but how does that feel though? I mean, that can't feel good to get on Twitter and there's just a complete, I mean, I can experience, I experienced the same thing a lie about you with just like tens of thousands of likes and what are you going to do try to ratio a 40k tweet like what how does yeah. that feel um i mean it's it's obviously depressing it's funny because doing doing this manifesto on my time in the dissident right i'm like wow but the left have treated me far more horribly the mainstream media have treated me so much worse but i kind of have lower expectations of them I don't expect them to tell the truth. I don't expect them to care or look into it more. Right. They've proven to us time and time again that that you know truth is on the back burner to clicks and clout. Um, so I've kind of found a way to enjoy it. I, I enjoy the flare gun myth about me. I think it's funny. I think it's good lore. Well, well, I'm glad. I mean, I don't really have any lore about me that's cool as like a flare gun. So I wouldn't regret it. What do you think what's, about? What's the worst myth about you that's been spread? Um, I don't know. You know what they do? They just love twisting my words. So like, obviously, a big part of what I talk about online is the trans thing. I'm against trans kids like transitioning medically. And so I talk about it all the time. But then the, I went on Joe Rogan and I said that um, I felt different at like age five. So they take me saying I felt different at age five. It's like Blair's a hypocrite because she 
felt trans at that age but doesn't want kids to transition and then those tweets will have just like tens of thousands of likes and I'm like the rest of the interview I'm saying that I'm against it so what's the hypocrisy I mean they'll get anything yeah. so if they have a story like a flare gun they're never gonna drop it <laughs> I'm gonna ship you a flare gun Blair you can jump on this boat <laughs> right so what do you think of the current political landscape that's happening now versus before you left um because things are very different at least in the online sphere let's maybe hone in on just like the online stuff because youtube's different social media is different um i felt like it's shifting now again the pendulum swinging but there was a time when like the right was much more powerful than the left and then the left became much more powerful i think it's shifting now but what do you think yeah so i'm seeing a lot of the same dynamics that happened on the dissident right happening within the progressive leftist movement it's kind of the same arc you get all these people that are suddenly becoming famous. Like I'd say mm -hmm. 2019, 2020 was a huge year for leftist figures to blow up Hassan, Bosch, yeah. Destiny, all these people. Um, if you look at their view counts, it's, it's like astronomical how much it changed. But now they've hit this plateau and it's super dangerous when you hit a plateau in, in this political you know, trajectory, because in the dissident right, what happened was all of these people started getting antsy and nervous that they weren't growing anymore. And they started to look at each other and say, mm -hmm. there's only a small piece of the pie and I want to have it. So they start backstabbing, they start infighting, and it just gets worse and worse and worse as soon as they feel like there's no longer this momentum or more money to be got or whatever it is. Not everyone in the right was just motivated by money, but unfortunately, when those people are such large figures, they'll do a lot of damage. So I'm seeing all of this infighting now happening in the progressive left. And it's kind of sweet, sweet justice to watch them go through the same shit we did. Um, Destiny was just quick, uh, kicked off Twitch and had his reputation attacked by all these progressives as transphobic, horrible, evil. And he was like the guy who started all of the left-wing streaming. I know Hassan and Vosh are on terrible terms. They're all, it's just like fake rape accusations, accusations of transphobia, of being a bigot. Everyone is secretly a fascist. Bosch is under the impression that there's a trans genocide around the corner and, you know, LGBT people have to arm themselves or the government are going to start executing them. They're really rolling into trying to hit those extreme talking points as much oh, as possible because they're seeing the numbers not going up as much and backstabbing each other as much as possible. And it's literally the exact same thing that happened on the dissident right. This is what happens when you just keep growing and going up, but not looking inward internally at the corrosiveness and ego going on in your own movement. Isn't that the funny thing about being online as long as we have been is you see how the pendulum swings and you see the exact same things happening on the other side. And like, it'll be interesting to see who the fuck makes it out alive. You know what I mean? Because not everyone yeah. made it out alive when we did that. You know, a lot of people that came up around the same time as us, it's like, oh, this one had a mental breakdown and left. This one started doing drugs. This one left the internet, deleted their channel. Like, not everyone makes it through. Yeah, yeah. We're like playing social squid game. It's I know. wild. I don't, you have to be, like, you have to be a little bit crazy to yeah. do politics and to do this online stuff. Um, <laughs> and do. part of me doesn't blame people for being so broken because the people who are going to be the most interested in politics are going to be people who see serious flaws in the world. And part of the reason they're going to see those flaws is because it's going to be things that have affected their own life. Maybe they were addicted to, addicted to drugs. Maybe they had a horrible, you know, marriage issue and they became MGTOW or whatever. Maybe mm -hmm. like it's all going to be like this personal motivation and personal brokenness that's going to drive a lot of politics. And they're going to say, OK, this effed up my life, but maybe uh, maybe there's some sort of political issue I can fix so that, you know, this doesn't happen to other people or this could have been prevented. So you get some of the most broken people that mm -hmm. become the forefront of political movements. But the problem with conservatism in particular, and uh, I, I mean, progressivism does ask for a certain type of perfection itself, but with conservatism, there's such a high ideal of like, you have to be this perfect yeah. trad, you know, do nothing wrong. And no one can be the face of that. And all of these figures, because it became cult of personality, were asked to be the embodiment of perfection. And mm. when you're asked to be the embodiment of perfection, and you, of course, fail necessarily, but everyone else is pretending so well around you. I that mean, you think you're you, the loser, you but it's not you true. Everyone's kind of losing. In a well, lot it's of like ways. it's like how people use Facetune. Everyone on Instagram thinks they're hideous because everyone right. else is editing their photos. So then they have to edit their photos, which then just perpetuates just... the cycle of got to keep the lie up. Yeah. Or I'm going to look ugly. 
Um, so that that's kind of what happened. And then people would use drugs to supplement having to, you know, wear this fake mask all the time of being mm. this perfect individual that no one is. And um, obviously that just made it all worse. <laughs> so do you feel like you have a healthier like outlook and maybe method toward your work now and being involved in the space? Because obviously you learned a lot from your experiences, you know, starting so young, especially 19 is so crazy to start. Um, but do you feel like now that you've come back, you're better for it? Um, hmm. I mean, yes, I, I have a more sober, sane perspective on the world, but I've let myself get way too bogged down by like, I hate to use this word because it's it's been so overused but like literal like emotional trauma from it all um just Trauma's being emotionally real. traumatized by losing so many friends being backstabbed by so many people it's made me really gun shy to talk about anything and I'm, I'm hoping that you know after publishing this manifesto or whatever i shouldn't use the word manifesto the fbi are gonna flag me yeah but, yeah um, nice word there lord <laughs> couldn't just be a video it has to be a manifesto okay <laughs> After publishing this video, I'm hoping it'll kind of open a new era for me to be more honest and open. Uh, but there's also like, and I'm sure you, you've you experienced this as well, when everyone is waiting to use something in your personal life or yeah. your experiences against you, when feminists are just going to be waiting around the corner to be like, we told you dumb bitch. And, you know, right wingers are going to be waiting around the corner to see, you know, find what failures you did. You never want to talk. Honestly, you want to keep your, your personal life so, so private. So no one yeah. can use it against you or like your personal experiences in politics. But um, I think that I was... would hope. Sorry. I, that's why I would hope yes. that, you know, your audience that is on the right doesn't react badly to you just telling the truth or what you've lived through because, you know, they should keep in mind that you're going to be getting leftist attacking you and get you know you just they shouldn't want to pile on to what you're already going to get from the leftist basically is what i'm saying yeah it's it's something I, like i have no idea what the reaction to this video is going to be um <laughs> sorry i know this is getting published after sorry yeah. i'm sure it'll be fine i'm sure it'll be fine because one thing you know i've maybe not done a video as extensive as that but i've done videos in the past where i've talked about um the inner workings of the right-wing sphere and you know sort of my me being unimpressed with it, you know, and people took it well, you know, there's going to be some people that are going to be like, well, what is she going left now? And, but then like, I don't know, just the next video you post will be your regular content and they'll forget about it, you know? Yeah. I, I remember watching that and thinking it was very brave and wishing that I kind of had that ability at the time. I think I had like Stockholm syndrome. You become so hated by so many people that you, the, the people that are on your side, like if you lose them, it's like, wow, am I going to be socially ostracized from the entire world? So you get a bit of a Stockholm syndrome and it's like, these are my people, that side hate me viscerally and never want to hear anything from me. They don't even think I'm right. a human being. If I lose these people in my circle that are my team, I'm all effing alone out here on an ice field, right? Um, so you get a bit of uh, Stockholm syndrome of wanting to like never question your own side. Not good. That's the toxic thing. I think so many people, um, and I've talked a little about this before, it's like, so many people get involved in politics because they're seeking a community and they're seeking a group of people. They're seeking a collective. As much as people mm. on our side like to say that they're not collectivists, there's a lot of collectivist behavior. There's a lot of people that like their like family in life is who they're you know agreeing with on Twitter politically. And I think that's really bad because it's that's not your family. Those aren't your friends. These are people who agree with you on certain things and that's fine. And you can be allies for the causes that you believe in. But like, I don't know. That's why I like to have my friends outside of it. You know, I have a few that are yeah. in that I've really heavily vetted. But anytime you're seeking community out of politics, that's not what it really is. It's not supposed to be that at least. Um, yeah. 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 So it's like, sorry. Oh, sorry, I'll let you finish. That. No, no, you're good. Go. Um, I, I kind of explained it. I, I've talked about this briefly before. This was definitely a phenomenon I saw like at the height of 2016, all the protests on the ground and everything. There started to be this weird thing happening in conservatism where the conservatives pre-2016 were fighting for their family, their community, children, whatever it be, issues of abortion or schooling, right? They had these like solid things in real life that they were fighting for. And then post-2016, their there grew this huge group of people that were saying similar talking points to those original conservatives, but they won't, weren't actually doing it for anything in their real life. They were fighting for the movement for the sake of the movement. And becoming famous within it. Yeah. So it's like, you'd be like, wait, uh, why are we doing this? What's the cause? It's for the movement, Lauren. It's for the movement. Don't betray the movement. And I'm like, well, what's the movement? 
Because if the movement is like my family and my community, well, my family and community are getting screwed over by having their money stolen, by being right. lied to, and I'm supposed to cover that up for the movement. Like, what is even the movement? Like, we're supposed to be fighting for actual real things in the real world, not this, yeah, strange cult. Like, <laughs> And that's why you have a lot of like, you know, people for whatever reason lump me in with this, even though I've never voted Democrat, but people who left the left, right? The left left me. And so you have all mm -hmm. these people coming over, becoming, you know, famous in their own right or commentators on the right they are coming from the left. And usually they have a story of being burned by their like friend group of lefties, which is a valid reason to reconsider because if you're agreeing with these people who are shitty, then maybe reconsider. But the problem is they lost their community there. So they're seeking another one. And it's, it's just dicey. It's just dicey. And I'm not saying I don't trust those people, but I also like, I understand that it's coming from a collectivist mindset, which I think isn't great. Um, but moving on to Canada, because I have questions about Canada as an American yeah. who does not understand many things that occur in Canada. So first of all, what was it like, at least broadly speaking, living through 2020 and lockdowns and COVID in Canada? Because I lived in California through most of it and I heard Canada was even worse. Okay, so it's it's hard to even disparage Canada because I spent a good amount of that time in Australia, which somehow was so much worse oh, wow. than uh, than Canada. But um, the time that I spent here, oh, it was just broken promise after broken promise. It's like, okay, you guys, we're going to do the two-week lockdown. Everyone did that. Um, okay, actually, it's going to be a few months. Actually, it's going to be a few years. Okay, if you get the jab, uh, we're going to get the whole country jabbed then we're going to open everything up again. It's going to be okay. We literally had so like halfway through last year, um, not, we had like 98% vaccination rates in my province and we were still fully locked down. And we were told by our premier here in, in British Columbia, uh, you know, you're, we're going to be open. We got, we hit all of our vaccination goals. We're going to be open for Christmas, for New Year's. Three days before Christmas starts, they announce all lockdown, no family flying in, no guests, uh, both New Year's and Christmas at 98% vaccination Insane. rates. Don't tell me like you guys have, don't, I, I was so tired of them pretending they knew what they're doing. I know they have to because they're politicians and they have to make everyone feel like, okay, we know what's going on. We're in charge. But it's so obvious that they're just making this shit up along the way as they go. And the shit they're making up is ruining people's lives and they don't seem to want to take any accountability for that. And they never live by their own fucking rules. So it's the same thing here. The, you know, the governor of California was like going on vacation still and his kids were in private school where you didn't have to wear a mask even in the thick of it. Meanwhile, there's like yeah. poor kids in, in, in public schools masked up with face shields outside during recess and people can't have funerals for their families. I People get annoyed that I still talk about everything that happened with lockdowns, but I feel like I genuinely... Maybe it affects me differently than other people. Like I was traumatized by what happened. I never in a million years, like I have the most vivid memory of um, like needing to escape like the lockdown and like needing to get out of my house. So I went to the beach in Malibu and there was like tanks and police and in who even knows what other officials all guarding the beach. Like you couldn't go on the beach. And I was like, oh, this is some other shit. Like this is nothing anyone's ever seen. I spoke to all like the older people in my life. I was like, has, has this happened? Never happened. So I don't know. I, I couldn't imagine living through Canada. I heard it was even worse. Yeah. I mean, I spent, I, I it, it, you don't want to talk about like how emotional you got over this. Cause I, I think everyone's very, especially within our sphere, we're very timid to talk too much about emotion because yeah. so many progressives have made such a joke out of like i'm gonna post a crying instagram photo and then talk about how someone called me a mean name online or whatever but right. yeah i definitely sobbed myself over this lockdown stuff it was really traumatic um being kept away from my family for ages and ages and ages didn't see my family in canada for a year until i was finally allowed back in yeah. um oh what a horrific time what a horrific time for people that the amount of people that didn't get to go to funerals, that missed weddings, that missed—I I missed my my grandmother's death. Um, I had applied to try to travel to see her before she died, and it was rejected. And then finally, when I had a certificate of her death to give to the government, then they're like, "Okay, you had, like I couldn't prove that she was dying, God. so that I had to wait till she was dead to get a certificate to prove that I could travel." Like it, it's just That's so dark. Even saying that out yeah. loud, it's like, what the fuck? And the you fact know? that there's no like 
national conversation or international, obviously, of how to prevent it from happening again. Like I tweeted this the other day. I was like, so we just all lived through that shit and no one's talking about like keeping the government from doing it again and what we need to do to make that happen. Because it was this whole concept of like choice for your life and your day being completely stripped from you. And growing up as an American, it's like, that's such a foreign concept. It's like, you weren't able to wake up and decide how your day was gonna go anymore. And there was no end in sight. And it didn't apply to celebrities. You know what I mean? It's like, you're turning on, it's like, oh, the VH1 award was still on. Oh, the Oscars are still happening. Like I was living in Hollywood, which was so locked down. And they filmed the Oscars like right down from my street, which is in the ghetto, by the way. I'm not trying to sound like I'm not, it was the fucking ghetto. Um, And I just remember sitting there on my balcony and everyone else is in their balconies in their little apartments, no one on the street, but you can hear the Oscars like from my balcony. And I'm like, wow. This is literally just some commie shit. This is literally just like, it doesn't apply to you because you're famous and you're the upper class and everyone else like is a slave. It was so scary. Did you ever read Animal Farm by George Orwell in school? Yes. Yeah, some all animals are equal, but some, some animals are more equal than others. It's like, yeah, we, we uh, I didn't even have to take that in school. We got to live it. It's pretty, pretty wild. It's pretty wild. The, I, I feel like there's like a whole group of people right now that are, they really bought into the lockdown stuff and they just can't let go. They can't admit that it was stupid. They can't do it because they sacrificed probably so many friends, so much of their mental strength and two years of their lives. Yeah. They'll never want to admit that they were the people enforcing this torment on others. So they have to keep, you know, have to keep defending it, have to keep defending it and saying, no, it was right. It was justified. Keep your mask on. And now I see people like H3H3 or Justin Trudeau or Fauci or whoever it is just the last few weeks saying, oh, I've got COVID. I've got COVID. I've got COVID after my seventh booster. I don't even find it funny anymore. I used to find it funny. Now I'm just like, this is just some sad shit. It's so dark. And the fact that the people who, you know, wanted these measures put in place, supported them remaining in place, even when it no longer made sense for them to be in place, even though it, in my opinion, never really did. Um, Maybe those two weeks, maybe. But um, the fact that they call people who oppose it the fascists really messes with my head because I'm very good at putting myself behind the island of people who disagree with me. Like as much as people think I really against like, I don't know, all the non-binary shit and the woke race shit, whatever I do. But like, I understand where they're coming from because I grew up in California. I grew up with lefties. Like I get it. This one I don't get how you can like vote or encourage for the average citizen to basically be placed on, you know, as house arrest indefinitely, lose their businesses, like all this shit. And you think people who oppose that are fascists. Like, am I missing something? I think there were a huge group of leftists that were actually really silenced during this time. Like the traditional mm. classic leftists, the hippies. I have so many left-wing friends in in real life that were protesting they were at the trucker protests in canada they were sitting around doing like hippie drum circles at every downtown protest they had um just the other day there's a guy here in bc named mark emery he went to jail for years trying to get weed legalized when i was younger like he was a big boogeyman of the conservative movement um he probably the guy who got weed legalized in canada and he was super opposed to lockdowns held major protests no media, no media touched these guys. They wanted to make sure that, um, you know, it was very well established that nope, the left wing position is lockdown, lockdown, lockdown. And, you know, obviously, left wingers that aren't paying attention that just kind of adhere to whatever they hear on the media are going to be like, well, I guess that's my position. But there were definitely like the hardcore traditional classic uh, leftists that were left behind in this and never acknowledged by anyone because the right aren't going to acknowledge too often when when the left are doing something good and the mainstream media didn't want to acknowledge them so i i feel i feel bad for a lot of those people that fought really hard and feel they've they've lost their entire political movement to what rightfully should be called fascist you know behavior i mean there are even like libertarians on board with it and i'm like Y'all are the ones that, if anything, should be like, no, fuck all this shit. But it was just so, I guess, just scary because I've never seen, like, such a massive example of just, like, groupthink and collectivism and just going with whatever's being told to you. And then you have to remember, like, the sort of news and content and algorithms that a lot of these people are 
tuned into, it's like it's 24-7 hysteria and like fear-mongering over it. You know, you had the, you know, um, death count ticker on CNN. And so you have to remember these people actually are operating out of fear. But it's just so frustrating that your choice to be scared or not was stripped of you. Like everyone had to just pretend mm. like it was this like the plague. And it's just like, my God. Ooh. Yeah, I actually don't know who it would have been worse for. People like us who were sitting there feeling like our government are becoming fascist regimes, holding us against our will, um, or the people who actually believed the government were doing it for legitimate reasons, but thought they were going to die if they went outside and hugged yeah. a friend of theirs. Like, who was that worse for? I don't know. It it's just seems just, like a, a very unique type of torture for everyone. Yeah, just everyone being like jerked around indefinitely. I'm so glad it's all over, but I do wish there was some sort of national conversation about how to prevent it again, because as far as I'm concerned, with midterms and stuff coming up, they can just do it again. But um, what about yeah, gun it's control? Not quite over. I mean, there's still yeah. you're still not allowed to fly in Canada if you're unvaccinated. Uh, there's still a bunch oh, of really? protesters that went to jail. Yeah, I think Tamara Litch, uh, she was the main protester for the truckers. She had a stipulation put on her if she wanted to get out of jail in the first place that she couldn't really oppose or, or do any more protests. And I think she's just been arrested for that again. Oh, my God. So don't question the state or you'll go back to jail tomorrow. That's really right. cool. I'm what sorry, a, you had another question. Yeah, what about gun control? Because I saw that Canada recently has been moving towards actually banning handguns, which is another thing as an American that's terrifying to hear. Obviously, there's a conversation here um, about AR-15s and everything, but to see Canada doing that, like, how scary is that? It's unreal what a political opportunist hack Trudeau is. I was so pissed off. He used a shooting of children in a different country using a gun that's already banned in Canada to enact policy banning different types of guns that are involved in statistically completely insignificant amount of shootings in Canada. Like, none what's of the it logic? made sense. None of it made sense. It was just a complete political play for points. Oh, look, I'm doing something about guns here in Canada. The gun used in that shooting was already banned here. We've banned like every fun gun in Canada, not to say guns used in shootings are fun, but like we banned like everything. And now you're going to get rid of handguns too. I think it's going to go through. I obviously went uh, to the shop right away and bought as many handguns as I can because I saw that holy, on Twitter. Um, they, it's like so stupid. They just cause a gun rush every time. Um, they'd still allow you to buy them and own them. It's just a prohibit on selling and transferring. So it's like, what did you expect to happen, Trudeau, other than you becoming the best gun salesman in Canada? Yeah. And, it, you know, it's scary, obviously. You know, you see historically what happens to countries that are disarmed. Um, I think that there's a direct correlation between how intense the code regulations were country by country based on how many gun owners were in that country. Obviously, America was nothing like Australia. And then Australia, you know, Canada has more guns than Australia. It just keeps getting worse the less guns. Do you agree yeah, with that? Yeah, you can directly correlate freedoms to gun ownership. <laughs> yeah, because I realized that upon moving to Texas, because obviously I lived in California my whole life. And, you know, I, I knew gun owners in California. My family were gun owners, but um, it wasn't as like, there wasn't a culture of it. It was like, you happen to be a gun owner. Um, but here where there's a culture of it, like many of my friends walk around strapped. Like I don't ever do that because first of all, I mostly have large guns and I'm all walking around with my big pink AR-15, but, um, most of my friends carry their guns around. So it's like, I remember being in California and like, you would have police officers approaching you if your mask was beneath your nose. I couldn't see them doing that here when most people walking around have mm. guns. It's like, you're going to piss someone off. Not saying that that violence is ever justified, obviously, but like, I don't think cops want to go harassing people as much in a, in a state where you can have a gun on you. Yeah, yeah. And just in general, beyond cops, there's a lot less uh, effing around and finding out in, in places like that. Um, I don't think, you know how we've got all these people jumping up and down about, oh, you shouldn't be able to comment on abortion if, um, if you're not a woman and you're not going to be affected by having a baby as if men aren't affected by babies and pregnancy and child support and things too. As if Anyways, it's not their baby, but okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
I, I borderline think like you should, no, no, not, I, I think this, if you are not affected by guns at all, you've never felt the need to defend yourself. You've never had threats to your life. You've never been afraid for your life. I don't think you should be able to comment on gun ownership. I'm sorry. I live in Canada. I, now I can't technically use my guns to defend myself. Someone, someone comes in to stab me to death and says, I'm coming upstairs to stab you, Lauren. Um, you know, I'm going to get away with it in Canada. I can pretend I slipped into my gun safe. Ooh, my hand accidentally unlocked the trigger lock. And oh, no, I accidentally loaded the gun and oh, last minute shot them. But it was all I, I it just slipped into my hand. Like, that's basically the level it has to be. Someone comes in my like house. Someone comes in my <laughs> house trying to stab me. You're getting popped. And I don't care who puts me in any kind of jail. I don't care if I'm in a men's prison or a women's prison, bitch. You're you're getting popped. See, I wish Canada's laws were like that. But one thing I can do and that I do focus on is I, I mean, I could move my camera. You can see I'm in the middle of the woods right now. I live in like, but F nowhere, Canada. And I see bears every day, like all the time, all over the place. I had three outside walking around and I keep my shotgun on my leg whenever I go out for a walk with family. Like, I'm not, I'm not going to get eaten by a bear or a cougar. Like, no, thanks. I'll just shoot them. Yeah. Um, If you like, but there's all these like inner city people that live in a, you know, a, a cube in the sky, an apartment in LA or whatever that are commenting, you don't need yeah. guns. It's like, okay, well, what is a rural farmer that has someone attack their family going to do? The police are going to take 50 minutes to get there. The police are like the only, the only job they have in some of these horrific crimes, you know, murder, killings, robberies. Their only job is to take notes after it happens. Yeah. You're not, if someone comes into your house to kill you, you're dying unless you defend yourself. Mm -hmm. The police aren't going to show up and save you. Like, that's not, that's not how it works. Maybe that works in the movies. It doesn't happen in real life. And people who don't have to think about this or don't have to worry about this, um, shut up. Shut the fuck up about guns. And they shut never up. know what the fucking AR-15 is. Like, they can never actually talk about what it is. Like, it just sounds scary to them. I, I tweeted that. I literally, like, if you don't even know what an AR-15 is, like, can you stop talking about banning it? Because I'm sure as fuck not tweeting about banning, like, I don't know, name anything if I don't know what it is. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. very frustrating. And um, uh, is there any chance of that not going through? Of you keeping the, the handguns or... No, it, it looks like it's going to be, you know, NDP and liberals pushing it through. We've got a bit of like a four. We're not quite the same as the states in that we've got like a two party system. We've got another even more left wing party called the NDP that take a lot of seats in Canada and um, they'll team up with the liberals on this and probably push it through. What do you think about the Roe v. Wade being overturned in the states? Because obviously you're in Canada, but obviously you're a woman. So what's your what's your take? I mean, if you ask any legal expert, left wing or right wing on this, they'll tell you it's just poorly written and the yeah. way that it went through was not proper. And it really doesn't even have to have anything to do with politics. Just it was like a bad, badly written piece of legal document. Um, and I feel like watching all these people run around screaming as if abortion has been banned in the States. I, I feel like the media are partially responsible for this. That's that's not the case right? It's everywhere where you're going to see the most major protests about women saying, I'm basically being tormented by a Nazi regime, being forced to have a pregnancy by Dr. Mangala. All of these states where people are going to be jumping up and down the most, uh, California, you know, New York, it's totally legal there still. Like, what are you guys talking about? Right. I mean, I, I think yeah. if anything, it pushes us closer towards a national divorce, which I'm leaning closer towards being a good thing every day. Um, that it's like, you know, if, if what comes from it is blue states have blue state policies and red states have red state policies, then maybe that's actually the solution to all of this, because clearly at some point learning to coexist is just going to get old. This is, this is an issue, especially I actually don't have so concrete of a feeling about abortion. I feel like every other month I lean closer to pro-choice, closer, closer to pro-life, literally go back and forth. Um, but, you know, the idea that anyone has to compromise their value as on either side of that has been a problem for me because I don't see how right wingers who think you're killing a baby can compromise on that morally. And I don't think I don't see how left wingers who think that it's not a baby um, and that you're ruining the woman's life can compromise either. I think it's such a moral issue that's literally down to who you are. And if the solution is living somewhere that aligns with your values, maybe that's actually the most peaceful option for having United States is having like a slightly divided but still united front states like having that friend who like 
you know, you just don't talk about politics with because they live in Tennessee or something. You know, the the problem the problem, of course, is <laughs> Democrats will will pass all these policies to create their utopia, and then they'll walk outside, and it's like, huh. There's people looting and shooting each other all over. Where did the police go? Oh, shit, we fired the ball. Oh, man, I'm going to die. Okay, time to move to Texas. And then they bring all their stupid ideas to Texas and ruin that. So, Which is what's happening already. I mean, <laughs> so who knows? But we got to wrap this up, Lauren. This has been like such an amazing interview. So glad we got to talk. I do want to ask one more question. Um, when it comes to your legacy and how you want to be remembered for all the work you've done so far and everything you're set to do, you're creating movies, everything you will have done when it's all said and done, how do you want to be remembered? I don't think I know yet, because it's not over. It's not over. It's just beginning, Blair. <laughs> <laughs> That's for sure. I don't know yet. Good. But yeah, it was a really real pleasure to uh, come on the show. Thanks for having me. Of course. See you soon, Lauren.